pros. Lowe's wants to help you keep working. That's why we're open for pro business hours 6 to 7 a.m. Monday through Saturday. You'll find the quantities you expect with dedicated pro associates and loaders to help you get what you need fast and load you up curbside. Now, more than ever, we know you need to win every single bid. You can count on Lowe's for special values on pro-trusted brands and savings when you buy in bulk. Save yourself a trip by shopping Lowe'sforpros.com, where we can ship thousands of items to your doorstep or to the job site. Lowe's is open and pro-ready. Mouth jazz. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the smooth sounds of mouth jazz. <laughs> this feels terrible miniseries. Can you believe that was improvised? <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dates fifth installment of, of Dates with Dustin. Dustin. Hope you guys are all doing well. It's a stormy day here in Los Angeles. I hope you're all doing drugs. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> if those drugs are sunshine and motherly love. Um... I wonder if anybody two things, I, two things I don't get off. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if anybody listens to this while putting their kids to sleep. Really? I don't know. Should, I'm not. I'm not saying they pan, should. Should we try to pander to that really quick to see if they <laughs> yeah. are here? Let's try it. Like, sure. Hey, little baby. Hey, baby. What? What did you just do? I said, "Hey, baby." <laughs> Yikes. Am I bad with kids? Is that what we just... <laughs> you just sounded like a ghost lizard or something. I often feel like a ghost lizard. Hi, mama. Hi, mama. No, I'll talk to kids like they're adults. Like, hey, what's up, guy? How you doing? Yeah, I've got news for you. Uh, as, as someone who used to be an Annie. Like... What? <laughs> I mean, maybe this isn't what you're talking about, but when I used to be a nanny and I would go to the grocery store with the kids I was nannying, guys who would come up and be like, oh, hey, big guy, would you... Oh, yeah, that shit. Yeah, where I'm like, stop. Like, like, I don't know. I like- Whatever. I mean, there's a fine line between talking to kids, like genuinely showing respect to kids and talking to them like there's they're adults. And then there's the... go Like, doing that just a degree too much so it sounds like you're patronizing. Yeah, I, I do. I, I'm bad. I, I can be. My, I used to pet, pet, patronize elderly people all the time without even thinking about it. My grandfather, <laughs> brilliant guy, but sometimes when I was a kid, I'd talk to him like, "Hey, Grandpa, how's it going?" And he'd look at me just like, 
<laughs> I'm, not, I'm not fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm cool with kids. What up, little man? <laughs> hey, 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 kids. Time to, I bet you feel real sleepy. But it's but it's time to to say say goodnight, and the sooner that you go to sleep, the faster you'll wake up in the morning. Yeah, we'll give you we'll give you some fruit roll ups when you wake up. <laughs> yeah. So go to sleep. Yeah, your parents have promised us that they're going to give you five fruit roll ups in the morning. Um, only if you go to sleep right now. So yeah. here's a little lullaby from us to you. Go to sleep. (laughs) Neither of us is listening to the other person, and we're both like assuming that the other person's going to sing what we're. I know it's amazing. I I actually thought we'd have a rhythm down at this point. Apparently not. Go to sleep. Dream your dreams. Wake up never later. Fruit roll-ups Angels kiss you As you sleep Granting dreams Your secrets they'll keep Ooh-la-roo-la-roo-la <laughs> I cr- All right. I, if I you're in, still listening, this is Jason in- Justin. Um, I cried during when they when in third grade. Um, they sang Tula Lula Rula as a class, and I wept. <laughs> <laughs> cried my head in half. Why did you cry? I'm so moved by music. I love that song so much. It's <laughs> so sad. Irish people have it figured out. Most. The sadness. Yeah. Oh, later in the episode, I have. I want to talk to you about. Almost that exact same thing, but I can't wait to get into it. But let's let's set up the show. First, we're going to meet Dustin's date for this week. Her name is Neely. She's lovely, and this is my uh, this is my one on one interview with Neely. Get Neely. Neely. So you are, you're from Israel? Originally, yeah. Originally. When did you move to the United States? So I was born in Israel. And then when I was three, my family moved to New York. Mm -hmm. And when I was 13, we moved back to Israel. So like my formative years, I would actually say were spent in Israel because that's where I did like junior high, high school. Right, 13. Yeah, 13 um, through 21. And then I came to the States for university. Gotcha. What what was that like going back to Israel when you were a teenager? So, I mean, it was kind of weird because when you're 13, you already start watching a lot of American high school shows. And then it's like, oh, my God, prom and all this stuff. And then it's like, no, like you're taking me to a place that doesn't have any of these American like stereotypes and culture, which probably is for the best. I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know how it would have turned out. But um, uh, best night of my life. Prom? prom? No, no. Oh my god! <laughs> Not yeah, no. All. Sometimes I feel like if only I went to prom, where would I be now? <laughs> but um, yeah, no. It's I, mean, I kind of feel like I've got this really cool not advantage, but it's kind of neat because I mean, there's this whole American culture that I've been exposed to in American history, but then there's also this Israeli culture. Like I love a lot of Israeli bands and movies and artists and I don't know it's like a whole other world that I get to participate in yeah but 
I would say that I'm definitely like a hybrid of the two of Israeli American personalities. How is uh, how are Israeli teenagers different from American te- teenagers? So I feel bad, like generalizing just a lot of what I see um, on the news. Recently. Just make some racist jokes, racist jokes. <laughs> OK, so um, Israelis are very violent. No, not really. <laughs> well, I mean, no, not really. But uh, I mean, obviously, everyone, hopefully, or most people are familiar with like the political atmosphere that's right. going on. I would say Israelis are very passionate mm-hmm. and very heated. And that's, you know, whatever spectrum of the political sphere you fall on, like whatever, whether you're left wing, right wing, religious, not religious, like everyone's passionate about something, which is really nice because I would say I mean, it's hard for me to like compare to Americans because I'm not really sure what American youth is like. But I know right. that in Israel, it's very different because you're you have to be pretty much aware of what's going on socially from a young age because it affects you directly in terms sure. of like, safety and and stuff, but um, that's a huge that's a huge difference. Yeah, my friend Kumail Nanjiani on the Harmontown podcast was just talking yeah, about this very thing. He's from yeah. Pakistan. Yeah, I thought um, that was a great episode, and he had some really cool points. And yeah, it's definitely true. Like, there's a a safety that people take. I don't want to say take for granted, but you can say that. I think that's I think that's true. I definitely take my safety for granted. Yeah. So it's it's weird because I've definitely. Because I lived there for so long. I lived in Israel like until the age of 21 where, uh. you know, there would be bus bombings, not like daily, but pretty at least a few times a year. And Really? There, Nearby? Um, yeah, there'd be um, one of my close friends. I remember she was, we were in high school. She had to go on a field trip and she went on a train and um, a suicide bomber was at the entrance right where she was. And the security guard basically sacrificed himself. For, oh. And he blocked the suicide bomber and he died, obviously, but he oh saved everyone in the station. And my friend was in there and she wasn't badly hurt. But it's like when things like that happen on a semi, not regular basis, but like definitely more frequently than they happen in a lot of other parts of the world. You definitely grow up faster. You definitely it's hard. And also in Israel, there's a mandatory military draft for boys and girls. Right. Yeah. So you're just you're growing up so much faster when you're 18 like you're already thinking about okay I have to do the army now for two or three years so did you do that I did how was it um I mean what a what a dumb way to ask no no how was it like like asking you how was your grilled cheese (laughs) was the delicious um yeah no it's it's so weird because it feels so long ago because I mean been having been through college and stuff like it feels like I'm thinking about someone else's experiences at this point Mm -hmm. but it was I for me, it was a good experience. I wasn't doing combat, so I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have any like ethical dilemmas. Thank God of because I I'm a vegetarian pacifist. So like I don't even think I'd be able to do anything, God forbid, that required any kind of violence. But um, yeah, so mine was basically just working in a military base, working mm-hmm. for a, a colonel. So it's just like a high ranking officer in the Israeli military. So my hours were crazy. Like I'd wake up at 5 a.m. I wouldn't get home to like 1 a.m. Um, wow. Yeah. So it would be. How like, did they assign that? Do you say what you're interested in or do they just kind yeah. of place you? So it's supposed to be it's a, like a mutual selection process. Like, first of all, if you are if you have any kind of skills or if you have any kind like if you're really good with electronics or you're really good with languages like Arabic, you're going to be 
the priority is to take you into the intelligence core. So you're going to be with intelligence. They have t um, first pick. Um, and then after that, it's like, okay, do you like working with computers or do you like working um, with publicity? Because we even have in the Israeli army, there's even like radio stations. So someone like you, if you were in Israel and this was the kind of stuff <laughs> that you did, like doing podcasts, you would be on like the Israeli national radio station. Huh. Um, I mean, it's very select, like those kinds of gigs are really selective and you have to probably know some people in order to like, even this drill feels terrible. Yeah. This drill, <laughs> this drill feels <laughs> terrible. Exactly. Um, yeah. So mine wasn't combat by any means. Mine was just regular office work, but, but for some people, is it combat like those first two years? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, for most guys, so for girls, combat is voluntary. You, they will never look like pick a girl to be in combat. Like you have to volunteer, you have to willingly be like, submit to the test. And it's a very rigorous process just to like, as a girl, to even be selected as combat because you have to go through all these physical exams. Right. Do part of you ever want to, to do that? I or? think, yeah. And I think, especially in retrospect, I kind of wish I did it. Not like for the sake of actually being combat, but for the sake of like, I almost like bragging rights, which is like sure. really, really a mature thing to say, but just um, kind of like, I think there's a side of me that's always like, I want to be a badass. Yeah. Um, but how did you feel about the, were you relieved by the girls have to specially apply or were you offended no, by that? No, um, I was, it was like a weird time for me where I was excited to do like to serve cause everyone serves. So it's like my friends were already drafted. My sister was already in the army, like in all of our parents suits. It's something like you, you kind of, it's like a rite of passage. Like, you know, you're going to sure, do it. Yeah. And I was really hoping to get into like a specific unit and I'd done like a series of tests for them. And then like, I didn't make the final cut. So I think after that point, a part of me was just like, Oh, fuck it. Like uh, whatever. I was kind of like, just take me to whatever. And they're like, well, you have really good grades and you score really well on like on all these exams, but like, what do you want to do? And I was so apathetic and I didn't take it as seriously as I could have, which is kind of a shame, but I will say that it changed me a lot, especially the boot camp experience, which mm -hmm. is really intense. So that's like six weeks of, did you, were you there with friends or was it a random no, group? No, no. So it's just random all. And that was part of like the great experience of it all, right? That they take you and there must be so many different boot camps. Oh yeah. There's a ton of okay. different bases. Yeah. There's like, yeah, there's dozens, if not, I don't know, maybe a hundred, no, probably not a hundred, but like definitely dozens of bases that you can do boot camp at and things like that. So it was a six week thing and it was really rigorous, but it definitely like broke down a lot of like social anxieties I had. Mm -hmm. Um, I was slightly germaphobic before boot yeah. camp. And then it's just like, you're dirty, you're starving, you're not going to start being picky about whose water, like whose canteen you're drinking out of and things like yeah. that. So what were the barracks like? The barracks, well, we actually really luck, like lucked out because we actually had roofs. Like we had, we were actually indoors. A lot of times people are just intense, Whoa. which in the desert can be really freezing cold or like really hot. Yeah. So we, we actually had, and we actually had like proper showers, but it's, you know, it's kind of like, it's pretty much like what you see in the movies where it's like, you don't really have any privacy whatsoever. You have, you get these ridiculous, like time frames to like wake up in the morning, make your bed, get dressed. You get like 30 seconds to get ready. And it's like not even the butt crack of dawn. It's like 4am. <laughs> so yeah, but it's great. I really feel like for me, it was 
a really cool experience. Was your was your boot camp uh, men and women, or was it just women? No, I'll, most boot camps are separated um, for men and women, and sometimes there's also bases that are separated. But we had we had guys doing their boot camp at our same base, but it was all women in our thing. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so in in Israel, like how. Here's a dumb, here's a dumb, like very broad question. Uh, in what ways is like dating and courting different from how it is here? That's a really great question. And the truth is that I never really dated all that much in Israel. So right. that was something that I didn't really participate until much later in life. And part of that was like the social anxiety. As I said, like I was a really like social, I was really shy um, growing up. And I think maybe part of it had to do with like the language barrier and like coming to Israel from America. Oh, did and, you not speak? Yeah. So initially my Hebrew was crap and then they kind of like flip flopped a little bit, but like in the first few years, my Hebrew was like really broken and not very good. I really knew like basic things like mom, dad, house. And so, yeah, <laughs> there are only so many <laughs> dad house. Mom. Yeah. Do you want to go on a dad house date? <laughs> house house? Dad, mom. Nah, no noise. No. Um, yeah. So I think in the beginning I was just so shy, like just talking to other people, especially guys. And it definitely took me some time to like even think about like looking at it. It's so it's so weird, like looking back at it, but like even just looking, making eye contact with the guy right. was really, really intense for me. And for some reason, the second I went, um, I was drafted into the army, like and I started like doing all these things that put me out of my comfort zone. They just push you so far beyond what you think you're capable of doing. It all kind of falls, falls away. But in terms of dating, I don't know, because a lot of it, I feel like everything happens later in Israel, like in terms of at least with marriage, I know people don't get married until much later. Like I think, really, Interesting. Um, well, yeah, I mean, and it's hard to generalize about Israel because you also have so you have like the religious sect, mm -hmm. which like you know the Orthodox Jews um, living in Jerusalem or living in settlements, and like they obviously are, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be betrothed at the age of like fifteen or whatever. Like they're or right. not, maybe not that young, but like people are getting put in these arranged marriages like really young and they're popping out kids like when they're like 16, 17 or whatever. And so, um, but with like the secular, like, you know, the non-religious more, um, I don't want to say atheist, but like, you know, non-religious yeah. um, communities, it's definitely like later in life, especially because you're, everything is kind of later in life because you're doing the military, which means you're not going to be going to college or if you even go to college, you're not going to be doing that until your mid to late twenties, because also here there's the culture of your parents pay for you for everything. Right, right. So like here, it's very expected almost that your parents buy you a car. Like they're going to send you to school. They're going to pay for your, they're going to give you an allowance. That's really not the case at all in Israel. Like in Israel, you basically like your parents won't kick you out of your house, like out of their house. Like you can live there. But the norm, I would say, of what I've seen also with my friends a lot of the time is that they have to work their way through school. Like if they mm -hmm. want to go to if they want to get an education, um, they're going to have to work as a waiter or waitress for like a year or two to save up money. And tuition is also a lot cheaper in Israel than it is here. But it's all relative, like in terms of like what you're actually earning. And then another thing that's unique about Israel is that after the military, what a lot of people do is 
they travel around the world um, for anywhere between like six months to two years. And my brother actually just finished his military service like a month ago, and he's traveling in Peru right now. Cool. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> I'm a loser. <laughs> but um, I decided to come to the States instead and just go to school because I figured it's kind of like traveling, going yeah. to somewhere I've never been before. So Certainly. Well, um one last question about uh, the army in Israel. What happens if someone doesn't want to, to do serve. the army? Yeah. Yeah. Th- and that's actually um, the base that I served at, the, where I did my um, service. They handled all of that because my commander, the colonel, he was the head of the drafting and induction agency. And basically, there were um, special allotments in terms of like how many pacifists could be conscientious objectors or how many people could... Um, decide not to enlist for religious reasons and things like that. You so could you, like just declare yourself as a pacifist and be like, I'm not. Yes, yeah, so you can't just be like, hey, I'm a pacifist. Um, so a lot of. Hey, man. Hey, man. Uh, this <laughs> I'm is a pacifist. Because the truth is, like, that's two years of your life. You're not earning money. You're stuck right. in a system that basically has full ownership over you. you. There's no such thing as like, you can't be like, oh, I don't really feel like reporting to the to the base today. It's like, you'll get arrested or you'll get Mm -hmm. like, you'll, yeah, it's like, there's really big repercussions. So, um, there's, um, a panel that kind of reviews all of the different conscientious objectors and they decide, I guess they kind of have to like decide who's the most convincing, which is kind of weird. (laughs) Cause it's like, if you're not a good, yeah. So I never, cause like, I never sat in on any of those conferences or those panels, but like, I f- think that's like kind of the only way to go about it because like how can you psychologically analyze someone like you really can't like hurt someone like I don't that's know that's so interesting I mean there's never been that option in the United States when there's As been a, a draft objector really? no never oh. never so what a lot of people do though in Israel which is actually kind of a, I don't want to say an epidemic but like it's something that a lot of people do which is sem- like semi frowned upon is they'll state that they're mentally unstable so they'll like either pay a psychologist or a psychiatrist or something to kind of give them a note saying this person is crazy and like you don't want them in the military. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. And there's even been a case of like some, a lo- actually not some, like quite a few Israeli celebrities um, do that because, you know, for their career, like two years, like famous models and stuff like um, right. Barafa Ellie. I don't know if you've ever heard the name. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She yes. dated Leonardo DiCaprio. She it's, hung out with him on a lot of yachts. Yes, she did. So she's like an one of the bigger examples of someone who was... She said she was crazy. No, wait. Oh, actually, she didn't say she was crazy. She married, because if you're married, I guess, you don't have to do it either. She married her mom's, like, 42-year-old best friend. But she was, like, seven... No, she she was, like, 17 or 18 at the time. She married her, her mom's Whoa. best friend. And that's how she got out of it. But, like, a lot of people will... Like, a lot of other celebrities and musicians will say they're crazy or something. It's crazy if you get married, you don't have to go. Yeah. Like, you're just going to be... Too busy being married. Yeah, like that's not <laughs> really an ex- oh, yeah, that's a you. weird excuse. Um, it's also like it's a it's a big. Uh, I I admire you for going. I'm like it seems like like a big uh, point point of pride. Is that an expression? Um, so dating wise, like dating what's wise. your what's what's your story over the last few years? Um, well, I guess that in college I didn't really I didn't date a whole lot either just because I was such a dorky loser and I was always like literally (laughs) always in the library and my dad I love my dad but he 
he was like a drill sergeant when it came to like academics. He was always like, he's like, you know, you're going to school there. You got to do well. And, and it was just, I definitely like from the get go was basically like a straight A student, which was a lot of pressure. And I actually even like developed kind of severe academic anxiety from it where like oh. I couldn't like sleep and sometimes like sometimes like especially around finals which I think is like common like so many people like obviously around finals especially like are pulling all-nighters but like I li- like I had one winter I remember I think it was between my junior and senior I was home for winter break I was on vacation I got my grades and they were all A's and it was like not something about it. Like I just snapped. I was like, I'm gonna have to keep this up forever. And I was just oh, like, and, wow. I, and it just like stressed me out. Even knowing that I could accomplish really good grades, like yeah, it, it was. It somehow like made me more stressed. It was weird. And I definitely Ooh. like, thank God, it's not the case anymore. But I think I was just like in. I wasn't really like in a very datey kind of mindset. Right. And I think also I was. I gained a lot of weight in college. Oh um, really. Yeah. Stress, stress eating, stress eating. And just like freaking, you know, we don't have Taco Bell in Israel and that shit. <laughs> I love Taco Bell. Oh my God. I, I <laughs> honestly, like I tell my friends, like my wedding is going to be awesome because I'm going to have Taco Bell be the caterer and I'm going to have nothing but eighties music. <laughs> That's great. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no college, like all, and just the drinking, the sheer amount. Cause like yeah. in Israel, like you can drink from the age of 18 and I was already 21 by the time I started school here. Um, so for me, like I had never really been that big of a drinker, but when you come to the States, it's just like everyone all the time. You're just, and there's all this excitement surrounding yeah. it. And yeah. So, um, yeah, so I gained a lot of weight, which probably didn't help the whole, um, dating cause. <laughs> um, I mean, I definitely dated a little, but nothing, nothing serious. And then, um, moving- well, and for the l- listeners, Neela is very svelte now. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I definitely, yeah. no, so the, yeah, like I definitely took a lot of, I took a lot of that weight off, especially like last year. Um, what'd you do? Um, what did I do? I think, oh, you know what it was? Um, <laughs> if she ever listens to this, I'm going to feel really bad, but my, what happened was like last February, I was living with a really wonderful friend of mine in New York and we had a tiny, tiny apartment in the East Village. Like our apartment was the size of this room, like for both of us, like the entire apartment. And while I was home in Israel visiting um, my family, she happened to like meet a guy and like just over the course of like 10 days, she met a guy, they became an item and he was homeless and he moved in with us. And he was also like (laughs) 10 years older than her. So yeah, I literally like land from- What kind of homeless? Um, he was, well, he was like, which sounds insensitive, but no, 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 I stand no, no. Okay. by that question. <laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe I'm being insensitive. Like, well, no, I don't mean like he just, he, he, he was like, he was couch surfing. He, he was, was, yeah, he was, he was okay. um, perpetually couch surfing. Like, like I asked him like where he lived before he moved in with us and he had been living with like various friends over the past years. Ooh, can I have? Yes. Yeah. I was there for two. So basically what happened was um, I came back and I started feeling really uncomfortable that all of a sudden this stranger was basically living in this with, tiny, in apartment, this tiny, yeah. tiny apartment. And so I was like, well, I don't want to be home right now. So I just went to the gym. Nice. <laughs> literally, it was like an escapism for me. And then I think it came like from that, I would just go to the gym all the time, basically to avoid that awkward living situation. And then I would just start. I think I just like for me, it's like if I'm starting to commit to my health in one aspect, like if I'm starting to go to the gym, 
a lot or work out or whatever, then I'll also start thinking more about like what I'm eating or vice versa. Like maybe I'll start eating healthier and I'll, I'll cut back on the Taco Bell a little bit and then I'll start, <laughs> oh, it'll be a little easier for me to jog because my stomach won't hurt so much. Um, so yeah, but that was basically kind of how it started. And I think just not even be, not being in the college framework of like stress and, and stuff like that definitely helps. Um, but yeah, so then, and then, uh, so after like the weight came off, obviously like, you know, and maybe part of it was physical, but I think a lot of it's just psychological. Like the moment yeah. you start feeling more comfortable with how you look, you're exuding a different kind of confidence or whatever. And then, um, yeah, and there was a lot of dating in New York, but also of a very specific kind. Very different, I would say. <laughs> Does that mean? Well, because this is going to, without revealing too much, New York is a city where there's a ton of single people. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of drinking. Bars don't close until like 4 a.m. No one has to drive. No one has to drive. Exactly. So it kind there's a very casual dating, hooking up kind of environment. Right. Which for me was actually kind of perfect because I knew like from the moment I got to New York that I wanted to move back to L.A. Like I knew that this is where most of my friends are. I have an aunt and uncle out here. I love the warm weather and the yeah. sunshine. I freaking hate the cold. So like I knew that I wanted to be back in L.A. So I never had any intentions of seriously dating anyone. There were definitely a few instances where, you know, guys pushed to seriously date. And I just it made me kind of quite a little bit like I'm moving in X amount of months. Like I don't want to get myself into something that's going to be really like messing with my mind. Right. Yeah. ended up talking for a very long time uh really hit it off hit it off with with all three of the women that participated in this experiment um yeah so if any of you guys want to hang out y'all have my number <laughs> i should just always have them over just so every time i know that you're coming over that's yeah, gonna get weird <laughs> <laughs> it'll be great i i'm curious i mean i don't want to put anyone in an uncomfortable position but like I, I kind of want to have the three of them over so we could all like bake or something and we'll all have just a fun time and That'd they can nice. talk about talk about their experiences with you and anyway uh, so that was my that was my one-on-one -on -one interview with Neely um, and now uh, you're going to hear Dustin and Neely explaining the story of their date you went to the observatory right Dusty we went to this awesome place called the observatory in Los Angeles it's fucking might I say, hella dope. Check it out. <laughs> See, uh, Griffith Observatory, if you're ever in Los Angeles, it's it's a, it's a must-see. So uh, let's hear their date. So I walk up the stairs and I meet Aaron and Dustin and um, I can't really remember what the first things we talked about, but we sat down briefly um, prior to going to the drawing room for a drink 
we all agree to go to our favorite dive bar in Los Angeles, the drawing room. And uh, upon exiting the house, Erin McGathy lacerates herself um, on a light post that is just made out of tetanus, this metal thing, and she was horribly, like, it cut her leggings, and she was bleeding horribly. And Aaron's just like, no, I'm fine. I don't need, I don't need anything. And I'm like, I'm not really in a rush. We can definitely take care of that. Um, so we run quickly inside, and there aren't any Band-Aids. So Aaron, like a total motherfucker, pours vodka on her wound and then ties her tights like a gurney on her leg and and she tied her nylons together and went to the drawing room which i knew would get infected in retrospect that probably wasn't the best way to handle that situation so aaron's bleeding she drives us to the drawing room we're talking a bit and we sat down and immediately dustin and i start talking about music which if you haven't gathered so far is one of the only topics I can apparently talk about, which is really bad. Aaron drove up, drove us to the Griffith Observatory, which is a giant hill, and at the top of it is a museum where all sorts of stuff that I like, universe, space shit, Tesla coils, awesome stuff, that nerdy stuff that I like, uh, is at the top, and I had never been before. And since it was a very beautiful day out, um, we decided actually to walk up and hike up from the bottom of the park. So Aaron dropped us off at the base of Griffith Park, and we found the trail, and we walked up. And uh, Neely and I are walking, and um, we're both in leather jackets. It's hot as hell. We look pretty cool. We look like kind of look like greasers. Yeah. So we we get up to the observatory, and since it was kind of a hike, we decided to reward ourselves by just sitting on one of the stair stair entrances or whatever we just sat there and chatted a little bit about um, Destin's background um, and what made him move from uh, Wisconsin out to Los Angeles and kind of how he got just how he got started with the whole podcasting and I mean the entire time it felt really breezy and it felt very conversational and very casual it definitely did not feel like an actual first date which is which is because those can have a lot of pressure and be really tense. As opposed to the other dates, I talked so much about myself. I felt like talking about myself a lot. And I think in the other dates, I asked a more about them. But with Neely, like, we talked about feral audio. I talked about everything. And, like, I just sort of ended up giving her on the hike up to the thing my life story. Everything... Dustin spoke about it definitely he sounded like passionate about whether it was a band he was really into or a, or like a movie he really liked or things like that he was very engaged and very very passionate about whatever he talked about which is really a cool quality in friends as well as you know people you're dating it's just neat um, and then so yeah we sat outside and we talked for a little bit and then we went inside the observatory and I'd actually been before I've actually even gone on dates there it's always a great I think it's it's a place that never gets old to me I think it's beautiful just even when you enter and there's that beautiful dome with um, the painted ceilings and there's the Foucault um, pendulum I think it's just really neat but it got very it was very packed and busy in there and at one point uh, I guess I don't know if it's the situation but 
This happened on the Ren Fair day too. I had gotten anxiety being around all these people again, and it was really busy and loud and echoey in there, and for a split second I started getting like really anxious and had to get out of wherever we were. So I kind of like grabbed us, I was like, I, I, I gotta get outside. And then we walk outside, and this girl yells, Neely, Neely, and I'm like, who the fuck knows, like, who knows me here? And she runs into an old friend of hers from like New York City she hasn't seen in like 10 years who's in town, they just ran into to each other and like struck up a conversation so talk about being at like the right place at the right time that was cool to see um and then we went to see the the, the movie they had like a a dome cinema and they had um a showing of the light of the valkyries or something and it was a really cool theater um that was a dome and it projected like different constellations and it was basically telling the story of like all the mythology of what Vikings thought the stars and the moons and the stars were and I it was just like visually mind-blowing and it was awesome because it was only five bucks which for me I like a good bargain <laughs> we then after this walked from the top of the Griffith Observatory to uh, Harmon's house which we were meeting back up with we walked down this mountain about two miles and uh, got an ice cream sandwich. Shit was good. And a very fun experience, I would say. But we make it to the house, super sweaty. We said our goodbyes. We exchanged numbers. Uh, hopefully we'll hang out. This girl was really intelligent and interesting and um, cool. And I think there's a general consensus that we all came upon. So she's really, really cool, um, and well-traveled and, and uh, experienced, and I'm still weird. That's my date. episode of dates with dustin and that will be uh that'll come out next week and and we'll find out if dustin is still dating any of these ladies what his romantic status is what he what he learned from this whole experience so uh stay tuned for that yeah i had an epiphany and i have a prepared statement so we should <laughs> oh boy yes all right but in the meantime you wanted to talk to me about something else yeah um so I've had, I'm nervous. Um, <laughs> for like a, a it's almost, we're celebrating the year anniversary of Feral Audio right. next month. Mm -hmm. So it was about a year ago when I had been seeing Aaron's live show for months, but it's a year ago and I started working with you or getting to know you and we started doing this on my apartment and mm -hmm. I started getting to know you better. And um 
I've watched you. I don't know. I get, to, I get, to, we, get we got to go on tour together for the Harmon Town tour. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, you know, um, very much in your home right now working and we've just gotten very close and, uh, I've just seen you grow like exponentially That's and nice. I've seen in, and I'm such not a visual person and like, I'm watching you, you're so crafty, but I'm watching you like build, like you have such good influence in the world around you, like aesthetically, like you do all these beautiful things all the time. Like you painted your room to look like the galaxy. You make these wonderful cakes for everybody. Uh, you're just so, uh, fucking talented and genius. But I was at a show the other night where you did a live show. It will be a podcast. I believe we want to plug it for this guy's tremendous sore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the show was called before you were funny Mm -hmm. and Aaron came on and the, 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 the conceit of the show is that you bring in a sketch or a story from before you were funny, like your worst thing that you could find. Um, one of the first things you ever wrote and then people read it like cold read it. And Aaron came to the show with uh, Joe Wagner, the Tremendous Or guys, and a guy from Veep, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, Tim Simons. Tim Simons. And um, did what she does best. And like, the thing that, when I first saw Aaron perform in UCB, when I first moved here, that like blew me away, is her ability to make people feel, and not just be funny, but you, you are this like proprietor of empathy... <laughs> and like even at Harmatown, you'll do things that are like you'll address like emotional you 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 are so good and I think that there's this line between like a comedian and a tragedian and like comedy and tragedy are so intertwined, but you have this like beautiful balance and like this ability to like make people have feelings and I saw you on that Thank stage you. and I realized it was almost a year ago to the day when I saw the This Feels Terrible live show that I had the epiphany that I wanted to make it a podcast. It was mm-hmm. literally and um and uh i'm just super i just i honestly i think you're brilliant i really do think you're a genius Thanks, you're Dr. so funny and talented and uh in ways that like i can't even comprehend but i just wanted to let you know that i uh a year later even as you know we become more brotherly and sisterly like as an artist and as a fan of your art i'm like in awe and you you as a person in a year is like you know it's inspiring. It makes me want to do better because I don't know. I don't know how much I've grown in a year. I've certainly Thank grown you. outward in a year, but I don't know how much I've evolved as a person. I think you've grown a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, you're you created an entire uh, podcast network, and that, you that's true. have you've built like a ton of like really strong relationships, and you have developed all these great shows, and yeah. No, I've definitely grown a lot. I wonder what what we'll be talking about next year. Probably our television shows. <laughs> yeah, well, let's do that ourselves. We're gonna be broadcasting from the internet. Let's turn the internet into the next uh, broadcasting channel. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I want to do. And I'm not. <laughs> well, and I love, I love, I love. Uh, not grandiose at all. What'd you say? Not grandiose at all. <laughs> well, and I, I, I'm not. When I say like television shows, I don't think television shows are better than. Uh, audio i mean i really like the medium of of the the podcast and feeling like i'm uh, i'm making radio we are making radio it's like having a pirate radio station and and I, the thing i am proud is is that they're like every every sing these reasons these episodes have been coming out late is because we work really hard on them like the we 
we kind of we I don't know if we understood how much work it was going to be. Yeah, the, the dates of death. The amount of work series. Aaron is doing and I'm doing in post and making them seamless. Like I like I spend as much time on every single podcast I do. I don't cut any corners. Like they're boutique podcasts. They're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to be their own thing. Every episode should be its own thing. And like I've been really proud of what we accomplished with this as a format for a show, just by the seat of our pants. Like we work really well together. Yeah, but um, and, and soon and soon we'll get we'll get back on track with the uh, yeah. with our with our guest podcast. We have a lot that are that are sitting waiting to be born into so your good. ears. So good, and, but but also with this, I don't know. There's a lot of room for this feels terrible to grow because Aaron's mm-hmm. not just the bard of you know emotional pain she's um she's a very funny improviser and comedian thank you, and sh- and thank I, you. I think we're gonna we're gonna showcase that in other avenues should we hint at oh. a little little something we have coming up yeah sure big announcement <laughs> uh could you put in a like a like a bunch of a bunch of kittens meowing w- like a, with a, a drum roll like a cacophony of kittens. yeah yeah like there are the, like like the audience are kittens looking for milk. <laughs> That's what this is leading up to. Got it. Um, ahem, hearey, hearey, big announcement. Um, and I are starting another podcast. We have recorded a few episodes. It is called with Aaron and. It's a podcast about the universe, about everything, about answering answering questions, and also just sitting down and uh, and talking because we have a we have a pretty good rapport. Um, so yeah, and that is going to be premiering on. When should it premiere? Um, very <laughs> soon. Like very soon. Very soon. Okay. Just check it out for a lot. It's going to be consider it a perfect supplemental podcast to Harmontown and to This Feels Terrible. It's it's a, if you're a fan of Erin, you're going to hear like you know have she has other opinions besides you know um, broken hearts. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I love talking about relationships. I also uh, am jumping at the idea to not talk about relationships for a little while. Can I tell you an amazing story? This that happened to me this weekend. Oh, um, I got a little touch of the McGath. I got a little what touch. What does that of, mean? I got a little touch of the McGath. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, I have my my. You were feeling friend. really insecure this weekend. <laughs> well, that's every day. <laughs> my best friend Duncan Trussell. Um, if you listen to his last episode with his friend Daniel Bellelli, opens up about um, he's been having issues with uh, a woman in his life. And before that, that was just kind of a personal thing that I think me and close friends knew. But he opened it up. He opened up about it on his podcast. So you can listen to that. To kind of understand what I'm talking about here, but um, kind of gets kind of kind of got kind of hopeless, and he's also doing this amazing meditation retreat in Hawaii with uh, his guru Ramdas right now. We've talked about it on the show. Well, Duncan's mm-hmm. with Ramdas in Hawaii right now, and he will be on his podcast amazingly. Um, but <clears throat> I'm at a I I all these like weird chain of events. I'm having a hard time in LA right now, but I could not be happier. And it sounds weird, but like. I'm having financial problems. It's all stuff where you start your own business or whatever, and you're getting through the hump of your first year. But so I'm I'm hitting. But I'm, I've been having these incredible weeks, and so I, I go to Aaron and Dan Harm or Aaron's show. Cut for a second. <clears throat> I go to Aaron's show, the Tremendous Horse show, and Dan was there, and they're waiting for their valet. And my my first friend in comedy, one of my oldest friends, James Adomian, walks up. 
and uh, lives in New York now. And I sort of like uh, Aaron and Dan say goodbye, and I follow James. We go check out the midnight show at UCB, and then I leave the show, and there's a guy um, walking down the street leading strangers to a house party in the hills, like 70 people, like a Pied Piper, like a really funny guy. And so the midnight show people are like, all right, let's all go make this our after party. So we walk up, you know, in the Franklin Village to the hills, and we get to this nice house, and... uh I'm there like alone because I lose James for most of the time. So I'm there alone. And um, immediately this this beautiful blonde woman walked in and I saw her immediately. And I was just like, oh, wow. Just one of the most beautiful women I'd ever seen in person. <clears throat> and a couple hours go by and James shows up and I'm getting more acquainted with James. And we're about to leave. We're like, all right, let's get out of here. And as I'm walking up the stairs, leaving this party, I was just randomly at. I hear this girl say that she likes podcasts. So I stop oh. and I go what podcast do you like? She goes, my all-time favorite, number one, is Duncan Trussell Family Hour. And I said, holy shit, that's my best friend. I produced that show. It's on my network. She goes, no way. Uh, and um, she, then she says, he's the number one person in Los Angeles I want to go on a date with. And I said, you have to be kidding me. He'll, 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 he'd love to hear that. Can I shoot a video of you t- talking to him? And so we're super drunk. And then this woman is beautiful. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, just stunning. So I make a... She's standing next to this plant with these white uh, Christmas lights. Uh-huh. And standing underneath them. And she looks angelic. And I make this fucking this video. And she says the most sweetest, like, adorable, nicest thing ever. I hit the wrong button and I lose the video. (laughs) Then I make her do another one and I sent it to my uh, friend Duncan. And I was like, and I texted her the next day. I'm like, hey, it was great to meet you. Um, Can I give Duncan your number? And um, yeah, they're going on a date together. Whoa. All right. I got a little touch. Dates by Dustin. Yeah, I felt good about it. It's cosmic, mystical. It was just, it was just one of those timing things that was just nuts. Um, So, um, maybe I'll have an update for that in the final episode, but we'll see. But. Interesting. Yeah. Stay tuned for the next episode. We will air it in a week, a week, a week, and our regularly scheduled programming will get back on its regular schedule. Yeah. Thanks for putting up with all this and please check out family. The yes, band. please check out the band family. They are wonderful, and they have some pretty amazing music videos. Oh yeah, and they're friends. They're, they're friends with people in comedy, um, and they they have a great aesthetic taste, heart wrenching music, but they're very funny and sweet people. An actual family. It's a sister and two brothers. Um, they're all actually family. They are changing their name. I didn't right know now. that. That was Sarah, Sarah's brothers. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Um, and they have to for legal reasons. They just got signed. Mm-hmm. You can right now go to familythebandcamp.com to get some of their music. They are all capitals F M L Y. They're also on Facebook, right? They're on Facebook and follow, YouTube. Follow their new sites. Um, they're on Vine F M L Y, Instagram F M L Y, Facebook F M L Y. They're family. They're the best. I'm now going to play one of my favorite songs by them. When I was had my heart broken uh, a couple months ago, this song, Under Control, was my jam. And you're going right. to find out why. Well, here we go. We love you guys. We love you. Thanks for listening.
pros. Lowe's wants to help you keep working. That's why we're open for pro business hours 6 to 7 a.m. Monday through Saturday. You'll find the quantities you expect with dedicated pro associates and loaders to help you get what you need fast and load you up curbside. Now, more than ever, we know you need to win every single bid. You can count on Lowe's for special values on pro-trusted brands and savings when you buy in bulk. Save yourself a trip by shopping Lowe'sforpros.com, where we can ship thousands of items to your doorstep or to the job site. Lowe's is open and pro-ready.